10 words on decision-making and the will of God. I think it's something all of us are interested in. What is God's will for my life? What is God's will for my children's lives? It could be something really big, like a job you take or where you're going to live or purchase you're making or who you're going to marry, where you're going to college, what your uh, studies are going to be. We have to make decisions all the time. And so it is a big thing. I, I can still remember um, graduating from high school and not having any clue about what I was going to do. <laughs> uh, that's probably because I goofed off most of the time through high school. And then kind of it's like that dose of reality that hits you that, you know, you're going to have to get a job and uh, decide what's going on. So it, it kind of hit me all at once. But I thought this is a good conversation to have that's a little bit different. So I'm going to be all over the place with scriptures, so you can write them down or you can listen to this later or talk to me. Um, but I, I hope that this is helpful to you. Uh, discerning God's will for your life. What is right? What is wrong? Uh, for some people, they do things differently than you do. And so I've just... Uh, jotted these down and uh, I'd like to work through them as quickly as I can since I have 10. I hope you don't make, uh, doesn't make you too nervous. First of all, the word purpose. God does have a plan. When he created this world, he had a plan. When he created man and woman and brought them together, he had a plan. And when God formed you in the womb of your mother, God had a plan, a design for your life. And there is no better life than seeing that plan fulfilled. Any deviation or going some other way or coming up with your own plan will never work as well as what God designed you to be. Now, remember this, that every design that God has is good. You know, back in the days when they designed cars, um, you, you came out with things like the, the Pento, and what are some of the other cars that were just like classic, like, we're not going to buy that car? Um, Vega. Yeah. Vega, the aluminum engine, and, and uh, yeah. <laughs> we go on a long time, because we had that era back in the 60s and 70s when I was in high school, uh, all the cool cars, we had some that were not so cool. And um, you say, that was not a good design. What was it, the Edsel? That was like the... the the famous Ford that never, they made a bunch of them and no one ever bought them. God does not have a bad design. So when you come out of the womb, it is perfectly what God has intended. We may look at that and say, you know, I wish God didn't make me this way or he would have made me that way, maybe taller, shorter, whatever. You know, God made you perfectly to fulfill his will through your life. And everything that God does is good. I'm reminded of Jeremiah 29, 11, the very familiar verse. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. So every plan is good. It's not for evil. God has a plan for your life to give you future and to give you a hope. So creator, designer, and he is the one to bring it to pass for your life. So God's will for your life. I would say there, there are two ways we can look at this, this purpose. One is generally speaking, in other words, it's God's will for all of us, <laughs> and then specifically for you. 
uh, no one else gets to marry Diane. I mean, that was specific. Generally is th things like, I need to follow the Lord. It's God's will for all people to come to faith in Christ. I can say that with great confidence. I don't understand how it all works with God's sovereignty, but I, I believe that every person God ever created, he wants them to know him personally. I believe that is what God wants. He wants us to follow him. He wants us to love him. He wants us to obey him. Men, he wants you to love your wife like Christ loved the church. Wives, he wants you to complete your husband in perfect unity and oneness. Children, he wants you all to obey and to honor your parents. Okay, these are general things. But specifically, what am I going to major in in college? Who am I going to marry? What job am I going to take? Where am I going to live? Which car should I buy? Uh, the, the, all those are, are things that are a little bit subjective. You say, well, how do you work through that? I had a, a conversation with my grandson this last week on the very thing. Another great text on this purpose, the word purpose. Romans 12, 1 and 2, is he's, Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice. In other words, surrender your life. This is your spiritual worship. And he says, do not be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed, like pressured from the outside, but be transformed by the inner person. This is what Christ does when you receive him as your personal savior. He transforms you from the inside out. And he says, renew your mind so that by testing, you may discern the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Isn't that great? God's will for you is good, it's acceptable, and it's perfect. There is nothing better. Now, all of us fight that a bit because we think we have a better way. I know it sounds funny to say, I've got a better way than God, but we always want to hold on to the reins of that, thinking, I've got a better plan. That's like our children. You know, you, sometimes you say, well, I, I, don't, I don't want you to do that. My parents are mean. <laughs> they don't let me do anything. Well, actually, your parents are good, and they want you to be happy, but they know some things will not. So parents have a little more perspective than their little children. As they grow up, they start to see those things. And God has, of course, an eternal perspective. So that's the first thing. God has a will for your life. He does, and it's good. Um, so this ought to be the thing that we want to find out and to follow, wouldn't it be? I, it is for me. Number, the second word is scripture. This is probably more near and dear to my heart than anything else, the word of God. God's will will always be in alignment and consistent with his word, always. God will never lead you in a way that is contrary to what he teaches, ever, ever. So there's some things you may say, well, I'm going I'm to buy this house. I can't tell you that that's wrong. You know, I'm going I'm to move to this city. I'm going to buy this house. I'm going to take this. I can't tell you that that's wrong or right. But if you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run off with this woman and leave my wife, I can tell you that's wrong. <laughs> And I've had people tell me, you know, you know what, God is leading me, and, and Scripture has not entered into this one bit. 
And that's why the constant challenge you'll hear from all of us that speak here at Valley is be in the Word, be in the Word, be in the Word. Let the Word be in you. Let it transform your mind. Let your thinking become like God's thinking. And you know the truth, and the truth, Jesus says that you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So Scripture, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All Scripture, all, all of Scripture that we have is God-breathed. It's, God, it's like the, the breath of God. And it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God or the woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That's an amazing, amazing verse. And I think what that verse says is the word of God has all authority. It's right and true. It has all sufficiency. It doesn't lack anything that needs to be said. And it has all practicality. In other words, there's nothing more relevant than this book, even more so than today's paper. My life's verse. You know, have you ever heard that expression, a life's verse? Um, sometimes I think I've got several of them. But a verse that has kind of turned my life around when I was young and has stayed with me all this time is one of the very few times you'll find the word success in the Bible. And uh, of course, as a young 18 year old, I'm thinking, I wanna be successful. Um, no one wants to grow up and be a failure, so this verse talks about success. But he says, here's what, here's what God says to Joshua, who followed Moses. He says, this book shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. That's what he said, you speak it, and you meditate on it day and night so that you may be able to be careful to do everything that is written in it. So here's what you do. Meditate on it that you may do what it says. He says, then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. That's what his promise is. And I thought, you know, success really doesn't matter unless it's success in the eyes of who created you. I can say, I've had a very successful life. Well, what does that mean? It's only successful in light of what you're created to be and fulfilling the purpose for which God made you. Psalm 119, 105 says, this is one of my favorite verses. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You just picture this. It's this word is, is a lamp and a light. And that's why it, it just guides you through your entire life, whether it speaks to something specifically or in principle. I, I like to tell people you have, you have precepts, which are, are commands. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. <laughs> Obey your parents. Those are precepts. Those are commands. Principle is something like this. In everything you do, honor God. What does that mean? Well, <laughs> the music I listen to, the places I go, the friends I have, the activities I engage in, my motives, everything I do, be that's a principle. So you have, you have precepts and principles, and both of those will play into this, because if God doesn't say anything specifically about 
an issue, he will have principles to help you to guide, be guided through that. The most important thing in determining God's will, and I, I just pray that that would become for our, our church family, because I hear this so much, and I usually don't say anything because I, people have, they're all excited about something they're going to do. I'm, Pastor Matt, I'm going to go do this and this, and I'm thinking, you know what? That, that is contrary to what Scripture says. And so that's when I kind of feel like, okay, I start asking questions. <laughs> okay, how did you arrive at that? Well, I prayed about it. Um, well, I just, I just sensed the Spirit moving. Well, <laughs> there are a lot of spirits out there. And uh, it, it will, it, God's work will never be, or God's will for you will never be inconsistent with what he teaches in precept or in principle. Number three, prayer. Prayer is my response back to God. So he's teaching me his word. This is my, you know, I've talked to you before about sometimes I'll take walks and argue with God. And I'll, I'll complain to God. Um, David does this a lot. He says, God, I'm having this conversation with you because I've read this and I'm thinking about this and I'm not seeing this and, or I'm saying, Lord, how long is this going to take? Um, I'll have a lot of those conversations with God, but, but when God is at, you know, you got circumstances going on in your life, you're reading the word, you're, you're crying out to him. But prayer is basically you crying out to God for help. I need your help. You're not going to be able to discern God's will or be in God's will without him being a big part of that. And so prayer is key. Psalm 57 and verse 2, uh, David says, I cry out to God most high to God who fulfills his purpose for me. That's been kind of a theme for me the last few years. I thought I cry out to God, I cry out to God, God most high, who fulfills his purpose for me. You know, I, I pray this every morning, I, I think I've shared this with you before, every morning when I start to take my walk and pray, is I say, God, help me to be the man that you created me to be. Help me today to be the man that you created me to be and to not to swerve from that. And, and then I start praying through all my family, all of you, um, my friends, events of the day. Um, but, I, but I feel like it, it, at the beginning, I need to be right with him and be fulfilling what he has designed for me to do. Uh, it's not the same as God's design for you. There are many similarities, but not exactly the same. So that is my prayer. Jesus taught his disciples this, the Lord's Prayer. You know, we, we quote this with our kids. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. He says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is God's will? We pray for God's will to be done. And so that means not only around me, but in me. We pray about everything. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, I have gone back to many, many times. It's been, been probably one of the most familiar verses in all of the Bible, but there's a reason for it. But it says, it says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, in all your ways, and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. So, Trust him with my whole heart and every, 
Every way I acknowledge him. I don't lean on what I can figure out. That'll take you down a, a wrong path. If you just try to go with logic, you've got you've to go with God. And every way you acknowledge him. So this is what I say. Pray about everything. Big things, little things. You pray about big purchase of a house. Yeah, you pray about that. You pray about who you're going to marry. Yeah, you pray about that. What about just the little things? Driving to work. Lord, I pray for safety. Lord, I'm praying for my kids today. I'm praying, that God, that you would protect us as we do this. The next event, pray about everything. This is part of God leading us to that. Number, number four, obedience. Obey what you know. <laughs> there are a lot of things you don't know, but obey what you know. And you really can't be in the right place to know God's will if you're not being obedient to what you already know to do. So if you're living, out, living outside of God's will, openly defying God, not obeying him, not doing the right thing, willingly disobeying, you're, you're not in a place to hear his voice. You're just not. Um, and God gives me enough. I found this. You know, I, I tend to worry about what's going to happen next year, uh, 10 years, you know, 20 years, 30 years. I start, then I probably won't have to worry anymore <laughs> after about 30 years. But, you know, you, you, start, you start worrying about all this stuff. But, but God gives me enough knowledge to obey today what I need to obey. Be the man today God created you to be. You know what's right. You may not know a lot of other things, but you know today what you need to do. So obey what you know. Abraham's servant, when he was looking for a bride for his uh, master's son, he made this statement. He said, I, being in the way, he led me. In other words, I'm in the way, following the Lord, he led me while I'm in the way. So to me, it's a great picture. John 13, 17 says, Jesus said, if you know these things, happy are you if you do them. So if you know what is right, you know what is true, you're going to be joyful, happy if you do these things. David, um, I think of this in, in, in Acts, it talks about referring to him. David, God said, David is a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Well, that didn't mean David knew the whole future for his life, but every time God would call him to do something, eventually that's where he would end up. Fifth word is a word we none of us like, waiting. <laughs> Hurry up and wait. Um, why is it that everything you pray about takes God so long to do? You think God is slow. Um, because you know what you want, you know what you're praying for, and you can actually even say, I know this is right. I know this is the will of God, but why is he taking so long? <laughs> you know, and it, it, you see this all through Scripture, wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord, be of good courage. Uh, Isaiah 40, 31, wait, those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. But you will see this that almost every time God's working with, dealing with, helping a person 
through their life. We talk about Moses, we talk about Abraham, we talk about David, we talk about Paul, we talk about Peter. They have to wait. Wait. So, it's not easy for me. I don't think it's probably easy for any of you either, but I say, I do not like, I just, I, we know what you need to do, let's get, let's get going. But I think there's several things that are happening. When God may seem to be silent, he is not idle. God is at work in many ways and many places that you don't even see. He's, work, he's at work in the world around you. He's at work in you as you wait. And he is at work in the timing of everything. So he's working for you. He's working in you. He's working around you. He's working through you. And while we wait, we don't need to sit there and go like this, twiddle our thumbs, you know, just kind of like, uh, no, God's not idle. You don't need to be idle either. So you actively wait. That means you're obedient to what you know. You know what? I may not know what all the next steps are, but I know today what I need to be doing. So I wait and I seek the Lord. I pray. I commit my ways to him. You know, I have found that some of the times in my life where I, it seems so long that I pray about things, but what it did was every day, I'm knocking at the door again. Every day, I'm asking God. And this would go on for some things for years. Praying about specific things for years, I would pray. And so, it's very easy to get frustrated or to quit. But then when God does answer, you realize that what he was doing was drawing you to greater, a greater level of dependence. And he's also working a lot of other ways that you didn't see. The number, number six, desires. God wants you to be happy. You can quote me on that. God wants you to be happy in him. And if you're happy in him, you'll be completely happy. Because any happiness outside of him is passing away. And God, it's like, it's like grandkids, you know? You want them to be happy. Your children, you want them to be happy. God's not mean. God's not just holding things back from you. Um, sometimes I laugh when I think, you know, if, 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 if we're happy, something must not be right. And so Christians ought to have a frown on their face and never have any fun. Christians, I believe, ought to have more fun, more enjoyment than anyone. He tells us he's given us all things richly to enjoy. All things richly to enjoy. I remember one time, years ago, I thought of this this past week, but uh, one of our associate pastors, he was... He's probably my age now, but he, he was, uh, had our seniors ministry. And, um, you know, he had grandkids and he's, you know, he's probably 65, 70 or something like that. But he, uh, I know that's a lot older than me, but anyway, he, so he bought a new car. 
and he drove it up. It was a red sports car. And um, so one of the deacons in our church came out there, and he's just big frown on his face. He said, Joe? He said, he said, what is it? He said, what's that? He said, that's my new car. And he said, it's red. And he said, yeah. He says, why did you buy a red sports car? And I'll never forget what he said. Because I like it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've always remembered that story 